There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. Hello and welcome back to the Twilight Highlight Zone. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by... Hey, it's me, Jeff Cork. Hey, round of applause for us. We for did it. For the second ever video version yeah. of the Twilight Highlight Zone, a podcast that we started back in 2013, I do believe, to review each and every mm-hmm. episode of the classic Twilight Zone yeah. series. We brought it back. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the uproar in the fan base? Just the jubilation when we brought it back for the Jordan Peele reboot of Twilight Zone. It was Zone. deafening. They I said, couldn't... we want to know what you think about this CBS All Access show before we subscribe. <laughs> we said, okay, we'll yeah. let you know. Which, by the way, the second season will be coming out at some point, and we're pot committed, baby. We're seeing this. I haven't let my subscription lapse. <laughs> I've been just binging on old murder she wrote, and there's some Star Trek stuff on there, apparently. <laughs> More than you can imagine. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah, I think I pay just for the Star Trek screensaver and CBS All Access. Oh, no. Yay. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, if you're watching the video version of this on YouTube, on Midmax's YouTube channel, uh, you can listen to the audio version, which is in a standalone free podcast feed, as free as you can get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so search in your favorite app for Twilight Highlight Zone, and the full archives should be there of every review we've ever done for every episode of this godforsaken show that we love. Yeah. Awesome. It's and if, true. If you're listening to the audio version, you want to see us in the flesh. No, don't. Run. <laughs> Run the other way. But it's we like, are on YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Show. Would you say that it's an experience more similar to The Masks or Eye of the Beholder? <laughs> I'm going to go with Eye of the Beholder. <laughs> no change. No change at all. Uh, okay, here we go. All right. This is an episode that I think literally we've been talking about doing for like seven years. Yes. Because oh. going through and reviewing so many episodes of The Twilight Zone, it's like, oh, well, I know this from The Simpsons, from exactly. the Treehouse of Horror parody. Right. And it's just coming up again and again and again. And now with Disney Plus out and about parading mm-hmm. through town, it's like, this is the perfect time. Probably a lot of people watching this will have access to every episode of The Simpsons. So Masterfully let's... cropped. <laughs> Optimal resolution. It's so hideous, isn't it? Like those early episodes where they're zooming in to get it 69. Some of these shots are rough. Where it's just like a line by their eye and it's like oh. double. It's just gross. Yeah. But anyways, what we're doing is we're going through every Twilight Zone reference in The Simpsons. Uh, some of these are obviously bigger than others. Okay, we're, we're doing every reference? Well, here's the thing. We'll acknowledge what? everyone because there's a very handy uh, notation on the wiki for every reference. But we tried to boil it down to like mm-hmm. just the big references right. here, primarily. So the important thing to, to know is that this is free, right? You're getting this content free. So when you're reading from a wiki, uh-huh. you, the viewer, are not paying for that. <laughs> No, that's for the exclusive MinMax show that's at the $5 tier on patreon.com slash MinMax2Ns, where I just randomize and bring up a wiki entry and then kind of- You just kind of come to yourself, huh? huh. I'll I'll post the link on Patreon if you want to check it out there. Yeah, I'll Um, is kind of problematic. (laughs) Cork, going through these old Simpsons episodes, Simpsons- has been my favorite show for a very long time. It's like, well, I guess in its whole, I might go with like the British office for the most consistent. But mm-hmm. in terms of like the show that has brought me the most happiness, probably the most influential show in my life, yeah. it has to be The Simpsons. What is your history oh, yeah. with The Simpsons, Jeff Cork? 
With The Simpsons, I remember uh, the the first time I saw it because we didn't have Fox like the channel, so we didn't get Tracy Ullman show when it was originally airing. Yeah, but The Simpsons shorts were like pre roll trailers that would run before like VHS tapes. Like you could get sometimes. So I think we watched hell? Say Anything. If you rented that original VHS release, it had one of the Simpsons shorts Weird. before it. So that was my first exposure to it. And then that was like an era, like we had a friend who lived down in America and they came back with like some tapes. So I saw a bunch of the early episodes of The Simpsons through that. So it was just like this highly coveted tape collection. Yeah. And then... uh Eventually, we, we got Fox, and it was very exciting because then we could watch it and uh, loved it so much. It was such a good show. Yeah. Going back through this, I was dying watching these early mm-hmm. episodes. They are so funny. And it's yeah. tough to have this conversation about the Twilight Zone parodies on The Simpsons yeah. without just literally reading down a list of very funny jokes. So this episode yes. will devolve into that a couple of times because I right. don't know how else to talk about The Simpsons. We can't pontificate. They're not all going to be about the nature mm-hmm. of God. Only one will probably be about the nature of God. Right, right. Yes. Uh, I mean, how many times did you laugh out loud? Gosh, a zero. But I'm not a big. I'm not a big laugh out loud loud at TV shows by myself. Okay, kind of thing. If I'm with other people, that I kind of feed off of that energy. Yeah, not in a phony way, but in a cool, well-adjusted kind of a way. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. That's very smart. Did you watch it with your kids or anything? No, because I want to know how the younger generation would react to this. Because watching this, like, there's you can't get funnier than this. It's interesting because my oldest kid is watching. And he started with, like, season one, and I think he's up to, like, season eight or nine, just watching mm. every episode. He's also watched every episode of Friends, because what some kid he went to school was like, hey, you should watch Friends. And he's like, okay, I will watch every episode of Friends. Just because his mom is probably really into Friends? and I don't know. Weird. Okay. That's very strange. But, uh, yeah, so he's, he's up to, like, season eight, I think. Okay, and he likes it. He likes it. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, okay, should we dive into this mess here? Yeah, real quick. I just Please. had a question I wanted to ask you earlier. I don't know if this is like better suited for the end when we talked about it, but I'm just curious. Yeah. Do you think that most people are familiar with Twilight Zone episodes because of The Simpsons? Like, do you think that the so, Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet, oh, man. or to serve, do you think to serve Ban in particular? Do you think anyone would know what that twist was if not for The Simpsons? That's really tough. Or even if you like factor in, yeah, total views mm-hmm. for. The original, yeah. let's go with just Nightmare, right? So the original mm-hmm. versus the movie version versus the Simpsons parody right? versus even like, what is it, Ace Ventura? I mean, so there's something on the wing. Uh-huh. Like, I just want to know like total views for each of those. I mean, Simpsons has to be number one at this point, right? Yeah, because I that's, think so. I mean, that's how I was exposed to mm-hmm. Twilight Zone originally was just through these parodies. And then we're like, oh, they're pulling it all from one source. Okay. Right. And then when the marathon started with Twilight Zone, it's like, okay, yeah. now I see where they got all these treehouse of horror <laughs> ideas going through this whole thing. Uh, so the first real one here yes. is season two, mm-hmm. uh, the treehouse of horror, the first one. So it's always confusing because you started in season two. So the numbering right. off. So season two, it's treehouse of horror one. And it kind of flows from there. But uh, Lisa finds the cookbook. It's how to cook for 40 humans, how to cook humans. It's that whole twist. Right. You know how it goes. How to serve man from the classic episode. Exactly. Uh, nothing too remarkable there. <laughs> Did you have more thoughts going through that? Yeah. It's, you said it's going to devolve into like saying some jokes and everything. I love I think, it, man. Like that one, excuse me, also had – like that's the first time you see like Kang and Kodos. Yeah. Who have been like recurring characters for those like the tentacled aliens with the domes who are always like salivating. <laughs> yeah. Um, from Rigel 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have, like, they're talking about 
all the amazing things they have on their ship, and they show like what's Pong basically. <laughs> and the Simpsons are completely not impressed by it. And then uh, Marge says, "Your game is very nice." <laughs> <laughs> and it just made me laugh. Interestingly enough, though, the the ball spins one time, which is not. What would happen in Pong? My God. Outraged. Outraged. I did walk around the house two times. <laughs> uh, pretty close to the original? Fairly close to the original. Okay. Yeah. Except for the twist was that they did not want to eat the family and they were like, their feelings were very hurt at the end. Yeah. It's so weird to like have this sampling of The Simpsons mm-hmm. and to like move to the eras. Obviously, video quality and stuff will go uh, get quite a bit different throughout the eras and then also. I don't want to dwell too much on this, but it's like also my laughter definitely <laughs> subsided yeah. by the end. And also it's like they kind of ran out of classic Twilight Zone episodes to parody. So some of these even later on, it's like mm-hmm. it's kind of a stretch to call it a parody. Yeah. It's like loosely inspired by in some ways. But yes. it's nice that like for these early ones, they're just trying to be as strong as possible for like, let's just do that entire storyline yeah, again. Right? Absolutely. Uh, season three of The Simpsons, Trios of Horror 2. It's weird. They don't have like segment names no. at this point yet. So it's just like a series of nightmares. And this right. is Bart's nightmare and it ends up being a parody of, I forget if we name this the number one episode or the number two episode of all time of The Twilight Zone. It's a good life. Yes. With our boy, Bill Moomy. Yep. Adorable little tot. Number one lad. Which by the <laughs> way, have you played the uh, tabletop game Just One? No. Okay. I've heard you talk about it though. It's very fun. So it's like, uh, you just give one word clues to try and get somebody to guess the word you have, but you don't want to be too obvious because then they cancel each other right. out. Yada, yada, yada. But I was playing uh, with my girlfriend's family mm-hmm. and the word was mummy. And my girlfriend's dad, as the one word clue, wrote Billy. And I was <laughs> over the moon. I was oh, like, oh wow. my God. And I was like, oh my God, Billy Moe. He's like, you know who that is? I'm like, of course, it's a good life. And he's like, eh, yeah, yeah. He didn't seem too interested. He was what? like, he's like, lost in space. Like, yeah, I know, but it's also it's a good life. Eh, that wasn't too interesting. But I thought that was an amazing clip. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Anyways, okay, so this episode actually opens with, I believe it's Harry Shearer doing a Rod, Rod Serling yeah. impersonation, which is very yes. fun. And I went back, and so, you know, he's like, oh, everybody here has to be happy, as happy mm-hmm. as can be, because there's a monster yes. stalking them in the streets. Did I mention the monster is a 10-year-old boy? Quite the tryst, <laughs> huh? But you didn't see that coming. And then I went back and watched the original intro, and it's pretty close, obviously, mm-hmm. without the commenting on the <laughs> twist thing, but, like, it's that same structure of, like, okay, this town is different. Mm-hmm. It's, you have to be smiling and happy. Right. And it, except in the original, then, he's a six-year-old boy. Yeah. Oh, good. The curtains are on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jasper turns into the dog, everything like that. Yeah. Uh, America is called Bonerland because the <laughs> grade, the test results or whatever Bart wrote down. Yeah. Unlike the original, then, in this version... <laughs> In the original, the idea is that uh, the boy, like, destroyed the rest of the world except for this town, right. which when you're trying to make a nine-minute parody for Treehouse mm-hmm. of Horror, they don't have time to get into that kind of lore. Exactly. So I guess all of America still exists in the Simpsons version. Yeah. Or at least Springfield does because they, they interact with the town. Yeah. And people. Right, right. But I like that Otto's, like, Bart gets on the bus and yes. he's like, hey, Otto, I'm going to drive for the bus. And I was like, no can do, Bartman. <laughs> and he's like, oh, wait, you're the dude with the gnarly powers? And so he lets him drive the bus. And Otto's like, hey, this is pretty fun. We're all going to die. Huh? <laughs> like, Otto was such a strong component running through these episodes. Like, I forgot how funny what he was in those early episodes. Yeah. Oh, uh, real quick, the, we should also talk about the conceit, because we're not going to go into the other stories. Yeah. But, like, each... Treehouse of Horror, most of them have like a central conceit around why they're telling these stories. Like in the first one, every family member is trying to scare everybody with ghost stories. Yeah. 
And this one, they all eat too much candy. So they're having nightmares. And this right. is what the, the different characters are having nightmares right, about. Right, right. And later on, it's like a parody of Night Gallery, which is very fun yes. for their Rod Sterling connection, mm-hmm. which I've never, I haven't seen Night Gallery yet. I've not yet. seen Night Gallery <laughs> okay, either. Okay, good. Um, but I love it. So it's just a series of, it's like the perfect framing. Like, of course, Bart has to be the boy from It's a Good Life yeah. just to torch everybody. But <laughs> it's so stupid. Like, again, this is what this episode's going to be is reciting old Simpsons jokes. But when he calls Mo oh, God. at the tavern and Mo's like, all right, hang on a second. And he's calling out. He's like, hey, everybody, I'm an ugly moron with a big butt. My butt smells. And I like to kiss my own butt. And then, but instead of like, just giving into it like he has to do what Bart wants like he was actually tricked so he says all that then he goes wait a minute <laughs> like he didn't realize that it wasn't a real name oh no it's very good um, and then uh, Homer wants to watch the football game Bart comes in he wants to watch Crusty, uh, which he's made beyond the air he hasn't for... slept in how long he's just completely <laughs> falling apart he's getting like Kind of trucker pills from Sideshow Mel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he's like, oh, I want to watch it now. So then you just hear the announcer <laughs> for the football game go, oh, and the ball is turning into some bald fat guy. <laughs> but it looks like it's so casual because like yep. this world is just being tortured by Bart and his crazy brain powers where he has complete control of the universe. So I love it. It's like, well, here we go. The yep. ball is turning into some ugly guy. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he does the jack-in-the-box thing with uh, with Homer. Right. Yes. So I'm trying to remember in the movie version, we covered the Twilight Zone mm-hmm. movie, which has a version of this. Do they do the jack-in-the-box thing? They don't thing? do the jack-in-the-box So the this movie. is more of a parody of the original. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Uh, so they mentioned they go to Dr. Marvin Monroe uh, <laughs> with Homer as the jack-in-the-box. Yep. And Marvin's like... Uh, I see you agree with a lot of my theories. I was like, no, it's just the air conditioning. Because <laughs> he's nodding as the jack-in-the-box. And then they fall in love, and then that's Bart's nightmare, is he falls in love with his father yeah. once he turns him back into a human. Yeah. Oh, there's the visual gag when they go down the roller coaster. Very fun. And Homer's head stays in the yeah. same spot. It's God, good, good I, stuff. I mean, I had a couple of these episodes on VHS, but that's the crazy thing about watching all these, is how baked into my soul everything is. Like, I haven't seen this episode in particular mm-hmm. in... I mean, 20 years, yeah, maybe, but it's just insane. To like, oh, I know the next shot. I remember the animation, weird hiccup here, and especially like the soundscape. It's like listening to one of my favorite albums again mm. that I haven't listened to for 20 years. Like I have this audio memorized, like little music cues, yeah. everything like that. It's just uncanny how baked in it is. Yeah. Does it, I mean, do you remember a lot of these beats or does it oh, feel yeah, pretty absolutely. new? Yeah, okay. it feels very familiar. I remember like, for instance, the first uh, Treehouse before, I remember how much that Raven block drags it seems yeah. like it will never end yeah horrifying. unforgettable yeah i started by watching all the like little epi- all the little other vignettes mm-hmm. and then i i stopped because like when we started getting to more contemporary episodes I was like oh this is just not my jam yeah yeah very fair uh the next one is season four treehouse of horror three mm-hmm. and this is the parody of the twilight zone episode living doll yes uh, and the simpsons version is called the clown without pity the Clown Without Pity. Yeah, what stood out to you here, Cork? Oh, this one has, like, so many classic... It's got the Frogert guy. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> yes, so... Hang on, is that... Yeah, it is. Okay, so he goes to this old shop. Yes. Well, hang on. There's a framing that made me laugh before that. So, it's Bart's birthday, and everybody's giving him toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Bart goes, oh, what'd you get me, old man? And Homer goes, don't! I mean... <laughs> Don't worry, I forgot to get you a present. <laughs> so then he goes to the toy shop, and then it's like the crazy old man who 
kid's talking about all the scary things he has. That's good, else. that's bad. <laughs> yes, the Frogert is also cursed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he buys a little crusty doll, mm-hmm. and then just like Taki Tina in Twilight Zone, yeah. like the crusty doll talks about how much he loves Bart, but then when it's alone with Homer, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm going to kill you, and Homer just keeps laughing at it for a while. <laughs> and the best part is like in Living Doll, like Telly Savalas' character was a real jerk to everyone, so it made sense that Taki Tina would be kind of angry at him. Yeah. Just immediately, Krusty is just going off on Homer for no reason whatsoever. We, we don't got time, man. And this yeah, series of horror Gotta keep it going, yeah. Absolutely. And then, yeah, like you said, Homer's just laughing at it. Ah, stupid dogs. And then at a certain point, uh, <laughs> Krusty's like in the shower with Homer trying to yeah. kill him, the little Krusty doll. And Homer runs out of the shower screaming naked and Patty and Silmer sitting there. And Patty goes, well, there goes the last lingering thread of my heterosexuality. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then, much like in the original, uh, Homer like locks Krusty the doll in a box, mm-hmm. and then tries to. Unlike the original, he goes out and tries to bury it. Yeah. Does he bury it in Living Doll? No. He just puts it in the trunk of his car. I'm trying to remember. Just he a, does use a saw on it. I think it. Was yeah, there. but he does do the weird <clears throat> lockbox. I thought. Anyway, so then like he buries it out back. Uh, oh and, he, no! He does the bottomless pit. Right. Right. The bottomless pit gag, which, which is one of my favorite. <laughs> things ever it's like people are just like throwing bodies in this bottomless pit and everything and then one guy is like why why do i think anyone would want to buy nude pictures of Whoopi goldberg and he throws this box into the pit and then the pit goes spits it back out and he catches it it's just a stupid joke but then i love that homer crusty is like on homer's head the crusty doll clawing at him and Homer's running by, and he goes, Mars, the doll's trying to kill me, and the toaster's been laughing at me. He's <laughs> being like, murdered. He throws in this detail about the toaster. Uh, and then it turns out there's just a switch in the back for yeah, a crusty doll. Yeah, they call tech support. Yeah, and it's just, oh, it turns out it was switched to evil. It should be switched to good. Yep. The end. Yeah, and also Krusty uh, lives with Malibu Stacy in Lisa's dollhouse. Oh, that's right. Kind yeah. of a creepy moment the first time you see that interaction. It hasn't aged well, but you know what? What are you going to do? What are you oh, gonna speaking do? of things that haven't aged well, there's one. There's more of that coming. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, there is. <laughs> I know exactly where you're going with it. All right, so season five, Trios of Horror, four, Terror at five and a half feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, very fun. So it starts out uh, in, like, the framing device. <laughs> Millhouse is showing, I think it's Millhouse, and they're showing, like, Krusty the Clown trading cards. Yes. And it's like the new issue when he's running out of ideas. Yeah. And one of them is Krusty poses for trading card photo. (laughs) Um, And then it's like another nightmare framing for Bart, which is very strange. Mm -hmm. And so he gets onto the bus, auto driving again, being hilarious. And he walks by Skinner. And Principal Skinner says, I'm riding the bus today because mother is punishing me for talking to a woman on the phone. She was right to do it. (laughs) So you have like Skinner as the voice of authority on the bus. Obviously, yeah. it's a classic parody of he's like the U.S. Marshal. Yes, the Air Marshal, rather. Well, this is the thing. It's like watching this one. It's like the Gremlin is like this small, almost like Doctor Seuss-like creature, and so it's much less like the Abominable Snowman. It's like the creature. movie one. It's, so this one's more based on the movie version right. of Twilight Zone in a weird way, with like the, the more actually Gremlin slimy-looking yes. guy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That one, uh, I think, is the first time you see Uder, the foreign exchange student. Yeah, yeah. It's eventually yum yum. <laughs> it's next to him. Uh, and I remember 
Hans Molman as a kid oh, was like God. one of the funniest characters because he was just so rare, just perfectly rare mm. in those early seasons. And so Bart's trying to let Otto know that there's a gremlin yeah. on the side of the bus. And I was like, thanks for the heads up, Bart, dude. <laughs> and he like ramps on some old man he's off the road who's driving an AMC gremlin. And then this car blows up when it like just touches a tree <laughs> barely a little bit. Um, then, bup, 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 bup. And <laughs> Skinner, as Bart's screaming, there's a gremlin on the side mm-hmm. of the bus, a gremlin on the side of the bus. Hey, by the way, if you're watching listening to this and you want us just to stop telling jokes, <laughs> retelling jokes, let us know in the live chat that doesn't <laughs> exist because we're going to be doing that a lot. But Skinner walks to the back of the bus and he goes, no, I've got word that a child is using his imagination and I've come to put a stop to it. <laughs> and so then they, they tie him up. They tie him up. And then, of course, the foreign exchange student just releases him. Yeah. And then isn't that shortly after they open the window? He does the whole does window again. Kids are getting sucked out of the bus. They window. treat it like it's the airplane. Yeah. yeah. And the original with William Shatner. Oh, just like a little toy on the yeah. desk here. But uh, I love that bit, too, because before that, he actually opens the window shades. Yeah. Uh, and they do like the full parody of the original Twilight Zone then where it's kind of the abominable snowman looking creature yeah. except it's groundskeeper Willie and he does like the exact same head animations yes. of like the slight turn and stuff yep. and then he gets on the bus and he says I had to get on the bus my mule wouldn't walk in the mud so I had to put 17 bullets in him <laughs> <laughs> and then a weird ending where uh, Flanders takes the gremlin yes. as like a child that's trying to claw his eyes out yep and then it goes one step further, unlike in the original Twilight Zone, where it's like, oh, thank God. And it turns out he was right the whole time. Mm-hmm. There actually was somebody clawing, because you see the damage on the wing. <coughs> yep. Simpsons goes one step further, and then he's in the ambulance, and then the gremlin attacks the ambulance and shows right. that he severed Flanders' head. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, <laughs> and then Skinner, as they're putting him in the ambulance, Skinner says, perhaps spending the remainder of your life in a madhouse will teach you some manners. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is the first real episode. That was terror at five and a half feet. That was. was that segment. Correct. Oh, and actually we should go off the hot wiki here because apparently Marge on the Lamb, uh-huh. episode 87 from season five, Lionel Hutz has a line where he says, this isn't the YMCA, appears to be a reference, this is from the wiki, it appears to be a reference to the Twilight Zone episode, Person or Persons Unknown, in which the protagonist snidely remarks, this isn't the YMCA. Which is like that's that a level like a real stretch. Do you think that that was a I, reference? I think that's a coincidence. It could be, but hey, God bless the wiki for providing that level of detail. Okay, this is the first full episode outside of Trios of Horror yes. that is clearly Twilight Zone inspired. Uh, Bart's Comet from season six. Yes, this is taking elements from the shelter. Uh, so with Bart's Comet, uh, <laughs> this is. Oh, God. It's a stupid weather it balloon joke. It's so good. It's amazing. So there's a weather balloon they're launching at the school. Then Bart reveals that <laughs> it's Principal Skinner, and it's his big butt cheeks. He's like yes. Big Butt Skinner. And Principal Skinner says, whoever brings, down that weather, whoever brings down that weather balloon doesn't have to learn fractions. And everybody starts attacking it, and it, like all the rocks they're throwing at it are like, hitting <laughs> Principal Skinner's up. car. And so then he's like, Crosskeeper Willie, take down that weather balloon. And Groundskeeper Willie just has a shotgun immediately on him, fires at the weather balloon, misses, instead is firing by two fighter jets yes. flying over Springfield. Yeah, they've been called to check out the mysterious anomaly, right? I don't think so. I just took it as random, like a random flyover okay. of these two jets. But this is the hardest that I laughed, I think, through all these because like, they use the scanning equipment on the jets and it has a perfect outline of Groundskeeper Willie and then it's like, Iraqi fighter jet 
like uh, located. Yeah. And so the fighter jet fires a missile to shoot Groundskeeper Willie because he fired at him. And the missile goes out and then hits the fighter jet right next to him and blows him up. And then he fires the second one and the missile goes out. Then does a one and he goes back and blows him up. It's just like the dumbest yeah. sight gag joke. And then they fight as they're going down and talk about funding for the military versus healthcare. <laughs> the, you know, of course they overdo it. Uh, but God, that absolutely killed me. I did not remember that stupid fighter jet joke. Yeah. Ugh. So as punishment, Bart has to help Skinner with his astronomy. Right. Because he's an amateur astronomer. So like at four in the morning. When he, his alarm clock goes off and it's like, hey, this is the news on the radio. But of course there is no news at 4 a.m. because <laughs> everyone's asleep and there's sweet comfy beds. So he's basically... <laughs> He just like he won't let <laughs> Skinner won't let Bart look through the telescope either. Yeah. So he's just like giving him numbers to write down for like <laughs> hours and hours. No, no object spotted. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes out to try and take down he the weather balloon. Some, yeah, he sees something, and then it, he calls like the the like, hey, can you verify there's an object here? And then the people at the Astronomy Institute or whatever are like, oh, it's a weather balloon. It was a no. I he sees a weather Yeah, yeah. I watched this more recently. So he watched, He looked through the telescope. That's right. Saw the weather balloon. Skinner goes for that. Then Bart's looking through the telescope, even though Principal Skinner yeah. told him not to touch it. And he, he sees the comet, it. calls it in, yep. uh, gets the comet named after him. And so Principal Skinner grabs the phone at the last second to hear that this amazing comet's named after Bart instead of him, which his whole life yes. goal has been to have some astronomical <laughs> object named after him. So he's like, no! And then the weather balloon releases this guy and goes, no! And then a newspaper guy comes by, <laughs> drops off a newspaper, and the front of the newspaper, the headline story is... Prez says school is for losers. <laughs> and he goes, no. <laughs> and then it's revealed like Bart's like, oh, welcome into like the nerd community and the school and all this stuff. Oh, God, the super friends. Yes. And Lisa's in it, which is a fun little Ham, sweet detail. email, cosign, report card, database, and Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, oh, you don't Cosmos. need. Yeah. It's like, you don't need a, uh, a telescope to see my comet. It's right there. And they're like, okay, buddy. He's like, no, really, it's right there. And then it's just full on. Final Fantasy VII, like the giant comet in the sky hovering. Yeah. And like, I know you're not a huge Seven guy, but it's crazy because it's like hovering in the sky and I looked at it. And so this came out 1995. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's a stretch to be like, oh, it's definitely inspired by it. It's weird for this to come out in 95, Final Fantasy VII to come out in 97. They both just have like that static hovering comet. Yeah. I mean, is that a trope? Has that been done a lot before? I do I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, so uh, the town is panicking. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> Mayor Quimby comes in, and he's, he's like, "Hi, people of Springfield. I mean Springfield." <laughs> and it's like this recurring joke that he's just never at Springfield, which they don't really get into anywhere else in The Simpsons. But I love that that's in there. And so they're showing like diagrams of what's going to happen with this comet when it hits Springfield, yeah. and it shows. Uh, the comet hitting Springfield and it like blowing up. And then for some reason they have an arrow on the diagram going to Moe's Tavern. <laughs> and Moe's like, oh dear God, no. And then the next one is just like a crater where Springfield used to be. And then there's like dots all over with an arrow going to that. And it says charred corpses. <laughs> it's just like unnecessary putting this detail in there. Uh, and then of course they say, yeah. oh God, no. The refrain with Moe and all that stuff. Um, so on their drive home, this stupid, subtle joke really made me laugh. Release was like, I don't think we should be as confident in their plan, which is just to fire a rocket and blow up the asteroid mm -hmm. or the comet. I think we should be worried about this. And Homer goes, didn't you hear what that guy in the building said? <laughs> <laughs> I 
Like, we don't have to worry about it. But I love you. He doesn't even remember where he was. It's the guy in the building. Uh, and so then they fire the rocket to try and take out the comet. It then goes too close to the sun, like Icarus, yeah. they say, and then just takes out the one bridge leaving Springfield, apparently. <laughs> so nobody can evacuate. Right. But then later on, they show people trying to jump the bridge and just dying in their cars <laughs> as they plummet to their deaths, which killed me. Uh, and so then they cut to Congress talking about, like, uh, okay, here's how we're going to save Springfield, a mandatory evacuation of Springfield. But then somebody puts... Like attach a writer to fund the perverted arts? <laughs> Everybody votes no. no. And Brockman's like, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Democracy simply doesn't work. Uh, and then... Then, so, then finally the Twilight Zone part starts. Then <laughs> it's like the back half gets towards the shelter. So in the shelter, the Twilight Zone episode, right. the way this works is just like, oh, a fancy dinner party. And then they find out that like, oh, there are unidentified flying objects in the air, which is like, oh, are they going UFOs? But no, they're going for missiles. Right. Like that the Russians or somebody are going to be bombing us. And so the president said, like, get to your shelter. And only one person had the bomb shelter. So he goes in there. And then, of course, the rest of the town goes mad. It's very monsters to do on Maple Street right. for, like, the overall vibe. But it culminates then in them, like, ramming the door down in the one bomb shelter. And then as soon as they get through the door, then there's another announcement from the president where he's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> I guess it wasn't anything at all. What do they say? Oh, it turns out they were satellites, not missiles, just oh. satellites. <laughs> Whoops. So uh, then it's a very, you know, sappy ending with the guy that was in the bomb shelter. Be like, well, we don't need to be scared of what's in the sky or our neighbors. We should be scared of ourselves with the way we've all acted here today type of thing. So the Simpsons version of that is that it's like, okay, everybody get to your bomb shelter. And Homer's like, don't worry. I'm taking care of my family. I know exactly where to go. And he goes, bangs on Flanders' bomb shelter. He's like, let us in there. And Flanders like, well, don't worry. I actually thought of this. So there's actually room for both of our families in the bomb <laughs> shelter. And Homer's like, that won't do. Get out. <laughs> um, so then they pack in there. And this is my favorite stupid twist in uh, Bart's Comet is then all the other townspeople come yeah. to the bomb shelter to try and get in there. And they have like broken bottles and like pitchforks. And like they knock on the door. Which, by the way, Homer thinks is the comet hitting. <laughs> they knock on the door. It's a very funny joke. So then the door opens, and uh, they're like, "Hey, we want in." And Flanders is like, "Oh, there's no room in a bomb shelter." And then they're like, "Oh, okay, our bad. We didn't think of that." And they all just like leave. Yeah. But then Flanders is such a nice guy. He's like, "Okay, everybody, go ahead and pack in." Yeah. And so everybody packs in. It's a really nice shot of just every character from The Simpsons jammed in there. Just the animation in yeah. that is crazy. Yeah, it's like it feels like one of those Springfield puzzles or something because yeah. it's just like every face all in the one space, which never really happens yeah. in the rest of The Simpsons. Um, and so they're talking about the new society. They need more elbow room. Somebody needs to be kicked out and they realize the one thing we don't need is left-hand emporium. So Flanders himself <laughs> has to leave. It's like Homer's idea as he's apologizing yeah. to the kids. And this part killed oh, me. Oh, God. This is... <laughs> it's amazing when Flanders is like on his way out and then he's like, well, when the comic gets near, I might scream because I might go mad with fear. So Todd, I want you to shoot daddy if he tries to get back in. And he gives him like, a gun. And Todd's like loading the gun as he's crying like, okay, daddy. And eventually they're trying to distract themselves because they can hear Ned like singing Que Sera, Sera yeah. outside. And so they're trying to distract themselves by the barnyard animal sound from Mo. Yeah. Uh, which is a baby ox. It's nebulous that always stuck it out, stuck out to me as a kid. Um, 
And so then eventually, and this is like what I think is nice, and I know people have written about it, made videos about it, but the idea that Homer is like the sweet one. Mm. Homer's the first to break, even though he's a jerk in the first half of the episode, to be like, you know what, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go die with Ned Flanders outside because we're all turning into animals in here. Yeah, that was Uh, like classic old Homer. Yeah, where it had a little bit of a heart. And James L. Brooks touched, you might say, right? And so then Homer leaves... But before he leaves, he's like, I'm disgusted with all of you, especially his children. <laughs> <laughs> again. So then it's nice where everyone's like, hey, wait a minute. I want out. I want to go die, too. And they all go out. And then the meteor eventually crumbles up in the atmosphere. And the only thing it hits is the bomb shelter, which immediately collapses. Which <laughs> is very fun. Yeah. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a sweet old episode. That one really made me laugh. There also There's a quick little reference. It wasn't worth covering too far in the episode. But in Homie the Clown, which... I believe is my favorite episode of The Simpsons ever. Then there's like the whole parody where it's Cresting going like, mirror, mirror. And it's a whole Eye of the Beholder parody where they're slowly unwrapping his face. Yes, yes. And then uh, they're like, oh, are you happy with the breast? He's like, did anybody hear me complaining about the breast? Because <laughs> they also gave him boobs. Anyways. That one seems as much as like a Batman yes. reference as it does Eye For of the sure. Beholder but too. I it's mean, a little of both. Batman 1989, that must have acknowledged Twilight Zone. Yeah. I mean, do you think that, I, I mean, I Tim Burton, know. of course, is a fan of Twilight Zone, right? So it has to be a reference to that in some way, yeah. but it's confusing. Anyways, next one is season seven, Tourist of Horror 6, which is the Little Girl Lost parody. Yes. Uh, which is one of the craziest episodes of The Simpsons of all time, the Homer 3D chunk. Uh, do you remember seeing this for the first time, Cork? I remember seeing it and thinking it was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. This is where they have a 3D animated section of The Simpsons. Yes. And it's like, I mean, it's a Trails of Horror section, so it's what, like eight minutes or something like that? But like, I demanded that my friend Callie like record this on VHS so I could borrow that tape and I watched this one endlessly because it blew my damn mind. Right. It was so much fun to look at. Yeah, so it's basically there's a portal in their house that if you you walk into it, you go into this other world and it's, you become like a CG version of whatever you want. Well, the joke then is that like in Little Girl Lost in the Twilight Zone episode, they enter the fourth dimension. Right. And the little girl gets lost. Uh, by the way, the, the original is like not too far off from this. It's kind of fun. Like they even do the Professor Frank like yep. drawing on the wall in the original and stuff. And they hear the little girl's voice in the original because she's lost in the fourth dimension. The dog is also lost there too. <clears throat> but then in this one, the joke is that Homer's entered the third dimension and they're right. all trying to wrap their minds around it. There's a funny moment where Professor Frank is goes on a chalkboard and he's like, all right, everybody, now this is a simple square. And Wiggum's like, oh, slow, hang on. Oh, you go, slow down there, egghead. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's explaining the concept of a cube, which is blowing everybody's minds. Uh, and then I love where they hear Homer's voice at first. Uh, and Marge is like, because they're trying to figure out where he is. Right. And it's like, do you see towels? If you see <laughs> towels, you're probably in the linen closet again. He's like, I don't think I see any towels. Uh, and then he's trying to explain where he is, and this is like the classic bit, in my mind at least, where he's like, anybody see the movie Tron? It just goes around the room, everyone's like, no. And then Wiggum <laughs> says yes. Like, I, I mean, no. Um, I Did you read that Entertainment Weekly article on the creation of this episode? Mm. In 2018, you should look this up, and it's like oral history of this episode. Really? Which is really fascinating. So uh, this is quoting from the Entertainment Weekly 
article, he says, the genesis of the idea traces back to Bill Oakley, who was serving as co-showrunner of The Simpsons with Josh Weinstein at the time. He remembers a light bulb illuminating over his head while leafing through a Twilight Zone companion book that was lying around the office. I found Little Girl Lost, and I somehow made the connection. Hey, what if we pretended that The Simpsons were in the second dimension and they went into the third dimension? Initially, Oakley and his fellow writers were planning to have the characters embark on a journey through all sorts of animation formats, but that notion didn't last long. We were like, can we really do... What can we really do besides paper cutouts? We do claymation, but that was third dimension too. Also, it dilutes the conceptual purity of going from second to third dimension. And the Twilight Zone, a little girl goes into the fourth dimension, so we said, let's dispose of all that other crud. Uh, so they recruited, apparently, an animation company that worked on, like, Terminator 2, and they were the animation company responsible for the CG Pillsbury Doughboy. Oh. Which is, like, perfect. I'm sure they, like, imported Just that model for body. Homer. Yeah, yeah, it's really crazy. Um but a big part of this article is just talking about, like, how little time they had to do it, how expensive it was. Yeah. Because, I mean, back, when is this, 96? Yeah. I mean, it's so early on. Toy Story was a year before this. Um, so another quote from the article, they say, take, for example, Homer's mm, unprocessed fish sticks line. They were saying, well, we know water's expensive, but somebody on our team, on the CG team, had just done a really interesting water simulation, and I believe we were able to offer that shot of Homer's glistening drool falling into the water, creating gorgeous sine wave ripples. That was our big production value add to their fish sticks joke. So they pulled, like, from what they knew uh-huh. was already in the works for this company and then, like, wrote the episode around that. That's why I think it's so odd. Um, speaking of that water scene, mm-hmm. says the Entertainment Weekly article, I got some good notes from Brad Bird, who at the time ah. was our storyboard consultant, future Incredibles yeah, yeah. director. Uh, like the shot from looking up inside the little pond with the goldfish and seeing Homer through the water, that was apparently one of Brad Bird's shots. Hmm. This is very cool. Um, yeah, I was obsessed with this episode, specifically like when Bart then joins him yeah. in the third dimension and like seeing Bart's hair in 3D was so exciting because I also had a Simpsons chess set. Okay. And I was obsessed with playing with Bart's hair because like the 3D model... Toy-wise, her Bart was so cool and funky. So, like, yeah. seeing that on the show was just mind-blowing. It's like a meat tenderizer. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so Bart, like, has a rope. <clears throat> oh, hang on. There's a moment where Abe Simpson, Grandpa, is going to go in to save him, and he's got, like, the full Big Daddy suit. <laughs> like, I just need six big men on the bellows, or whatever he says. And then, like, Professor Frink stops him from going to the other dimension. He says, no, it's too risky. There could be cubes the size of gorillas in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, stupid. so Bart like wraps a rope around himself and goes in, which is much like in Little Girl Lost. The dad doesn't like tie the rope around, but he like tries to reach his hand in to get the little girl. Yeah. And then he eventually just like accidentally falls in. And then it's shot in such a weird way. If you remember this, where the camera's just like, like spinning it's around. Blurry and black void kind of a thing. Yeah. And there's also just a lot of reflections and like they're just putting a bunch of Vaseline on the lens and filming like a reflective sphere, like trying to show what the fourth dimension looks like. It's, it's so hokey to go back and look at it, but it's very fun still. Um, it's not and, hokey, like mid nineties CG. Oh no. Flawless. Yeah. How'd you think it held up visually? Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> the close-ups of Homer's face, like his eyelids or like any, um, barrier, what's what I'm looking for transition or anything between oh, okay. like textures. Like yeah. that was where it really was like, Oh boy. Yeah. It was rough. Um, but then it has the most exciting ending where Homer yes. <laughs> falls so into the vortex. Ter- it's really sad. It's crazy. And then he slams into real world LA and yeah. like the velocity of him going into that garbage can is amazing. Yeah. And then it's him walking down the streets horrified by being in the real world. But like, honestly, top 10 most mind blowing 
pieces of television I've ever seen in my life. Really? Was, was that episode? I mean, what yeah. else is there? Mind blowing? That was. I'm trying to think of anything that blew my mind more than that. Okay. I mean, like Gus's death in Breaking Bad is up there, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that was like mind blowing. But in terms of like seeing Homer Simpson yeah. in the real world, and again, we you can't overstate how much of a novelty it was to see high quality CG made just for a television show. Oh yeah, like maybe there'd be like bonkers. some yeah some crappy commercial yeah or like you know the reboot was like so like way below that yeah in terms of quality yeah for sure um and then uh i remember i literally for years was like you know what they should do with the next 3d mario game is they should like pull the move that they do in homer 3d of just like put mario in the real world then they kind of ended up doing it with mario odyssey like it was like that freakish mashup so whenever i see the ending of homer 3d now i just think of that uh kingdom and mario odyssey uh next one yeah trios of horror seven season eight the genesis tub yes which is a parody of everybody's favorite episode what is it called little people uh <laughs> yes the little people yeah a lot of these were like season three uh episodes yep. of, of twilight zone but cork uh you want to run down the genesis tub Oh, uh, it's basically Lisa has a science experiment, and then Bart's being a big jerk. Go figure. And there, he's he's discovered static electricity. She's got a petri dish with some like mold growing in it, and he zaps it, and then it becomes alive in a different way. She just looks at it through the microscope, and she sees like little tiny people, and they're like building a civilization. And every time she checks in, it's like they've gone up a generation in yes. civilization or something. Like they're progressing so fast. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually Bart crushes a lot of them. Yes. And then they launch ships to attack Bart, which that sequence was so much cooler than I remember because the mm-hmm. ships look like the Futurama ship. Yeah. And then like just the way it's shot where it's like following the ships through the hallway, going around Santa's little helper, going around like the lumps in Bart's bed and then like attacking them. Like it's all like the cinematography and that was like the best I've ever seen out of The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really sweet. Uh, I guess we should talk about just like the framing for Trails of Horror. Overall, it is so cool just to like let that team experiment and also just like there's a lot of really dark stuff yeah. in these episodes that it must have been a real thrill. And they had like warnings in the early episodes. Yeah, Marge would come out in front of a curtain and say like, this is very scary, so you shouldn't watch it. <laughs> and I wonder how much of that was like the network actually wanting them to do that because it does get pretty weird and dark in moments. Yeah, I was thinking about like, oh gosh, characters are getting decapitated and everything. It's like, no, this is basically the same amount of violence as that's in an episode of If You Scratchy. Yeah, Only I guess it's so. like Flanders is getting his head cut off well, instead of... Yeah, totally. Know. But like later on, yeah, when like uh, Dr. Hibbert dies and stuff, like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't expect to see <laughs> that. But anyways, uh, so in this episode then, uh, eventually the little people in the tub around Lisa's tooth shrink her down that's right she has and a she, tooth in there yeah. yeah and they're like oh she's, they like, think oh, she's a god yeah and she's like i can't believe that you guys speak english and he's like yes we've been listening to you for generations we've learned how to imitate you exactly <laughs> <laughs> um and then yeah it's the fun twist where yes she's the god but then they immediately are like yeah hi i'm i'm bill i live in the clock tower why do bad things happen to good people <laughs> and it's like i do love it because it is taking some of the ideas from the Little People episode of Twilight Zone, yeah. specifically like, oh, that a core idea of like, how does God create us and then let so many horrible things happen? Maybe right. he's disinterested or it's less relevant for him than we think, which is a, a fun notion for you at home to think about. Um, but I love like, it's a new twist on it by like, 
making those people confront Lisa directly. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, it doesn't, this like had the weakest ending of all where she's like, oh, just go ahead and worship me. Yeah. The end. <laughs> gotta, gotta go. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. basically it. Um, but in the original then for, oh, hang on. Bart steals it. Yeah. Which is, this is also in the closer. Steals it and then has a science fair and then wins first prize. And Principal Skinner, Skinner says, this universe you've created is even more impressive than Martin's milk carton u- ukulele. <laughs> he's got like a little hula skirt on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Martin. Um, so, yeah, she's just stuck in there. There's no real ending for that whatsoever. But yeah. this is like one of those pretty loose adaptations of the little people. Because in the Twilight Zone episode, it's like, okay, there are two astronauts. They're spaceship is broken down on yep. this planet. One person then discovers like, oh my God, there's a whole civilization of little people on this planet making little sounds. You can hear them. And then he becomes obsessed with like, oh my God, I'm their God. Right. They're worshiping me. They built a giant statue based off me. Then he refuses to leave the planet because the guy's like, we fixed the ship. We got to go. He's like, no, I'm a God here. Don't you understand? I'm a God. And he's like drunk on his power and he's like stomping on the little people like, oh, you better listen to me because I'll crush you if you don't. So then- the spaceship takes off, and he's stuck here as the god of the little people. It's really a performance of the century. Forget Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix as the Joker. This guy's like laughing and rolling around in the sand, just being like, oh, we have so much to do, so much time. And then, do you remember this twist? I don't. <laughs> then there's a horrible sound, and all the little people are like, wee, wee. And he's like, don't worry. It's just a spaceship. It'll stop soon. And he's like, oh, no, it is loud. What is that? And then there's thundering, and then it turns out there are two giants that show up and pick him up because he's He's a little little person person. to them. And then they accidentally crush him in their fingers as they're trying to look at him. And it's funny because, like, it's just two dumb aliens, very light aliens. just like aliens, but they just had a different shirt on, like some freaky sci-fi shirt. Um, And so one of them's like, well, shouldn't we investigate to find out if there are more little people on this planet? And the guy's like, no, don't bother. We have other things to worry about. So they just like leave then and like throw him back down to the ground and then he's dead on top of his little people. So really puts things in perspective. Yeah. It makes you think. (laughs) I don't want to be known to little people. Rod Serling then ends the episode by saying, it's a small exercise in space psychology that you can try on for size. (laughs) How do you like it? (laughs) Oh, and then the little guys tear down the statue at the end too because they remember that they don't like him. (laughs) We don't like you. Here is a leap. So from season eight yeah. to then, Trust of Horror-wise, season 16, there's a couple light references and stuff in there. Kind of a weird little, like, Wild Barts Can't Be Broken, season 10. Yeah. The wiki says that, okay, it ends with the old people kicking the can. There's a reference to kick the can there, obviously. Subtle homage. Uh, season eight... Uh, Earl being a robot rather than being a human is a reference to Twilight Zone episode, The Old Man in the Cave. So it's like light scatterings, yeah. but not as dedicated of an episode. Up until Treehouse of Horror 15 from season 16, a segment called The Ned Zone. The Ned Zone. Now this is where the idea of it being a parody is a real stretch because they're saying that it's a parody or reminiscent of The Purple Testament, which is a season one episode uh-huh. of Twilight Zone. So in The Ned Zone... Ned is in the hospital after Homer throws a bowling Bowling ball on his head. Uh, And it turns out that if he touches people, he can see how they die. Yes. Is this a concept from some other movie I haven't seen? Is this a, what's that one? Final Destination? Also, that's that's, that's certain 
Yeah, certain most unusual of, camera. Most unusual camera, certain type of camera. <laughs> You're right. So it is like a weird fusion of yeah. Purple Testament and then most unusual camera. Kind of like that, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because they're saying that it's like a reference to Purple Testament in the wiki. But Purple Testament is just like you a soldier in World War II. And when someone looked like they were, or like, someone was going to die in the war, they'd have like a glimmer on their face. Yeah, like yeah, basically yeah. they would just like shine an extra light on somebody's face. But, but you didn't see how they were going to die. No, and it wasn't a matter of like touching them or anything, right. you know? And also it was, that's filmed in black and white, that episode, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> weird. And this one, like everybody was yellow. Yeah. Um, so Ned's going around, he can see people dying. He sees that Higgins, or sorry, Hibbert? that Hibbert, yeah, falls out of the hospital window and like splatters on the f- ground, yeah. which is really... Messed up. He injects himself with morphine on his way down. So yes, I guess that's a season sixteen level joke. Um, <laughs> it, this joke—it's up there with slamming Whoopi Goldberg as he goes to the Rosie O'Donnell musical and sees that it's going to shut down after three weeks. He's like, "Oh, I guess I didn't need this power to see yeah. that." Yeah. Um, and then he touches Homer and sees that he's going to shoot Homer in the back three times. There's like blood and stuff like yeah. coming out of Homer. It's crazy. Um, and then it's a big twist about like, oh. He doesn't want to do it, so he's destroying all the guns around him. The classic conundrum. Uh, then it finds out that he touches Homer again, sees that Homer's going to blow up the entire town with the power plant by hitting, like, the core destruct button or whatever. Right. So then he's trying to stop Homer from doing that. And so in order to stop him from hitting that button, because there's an intercom malfunction, <laughs> you know the drill, he ends up shooting Homer three times. Yes. And Homer, like, is flailing and, like, flailing <laughs> before he dies right before, like, above the destruct core button. And Flanders is like, no, fall away from the button, fall away from the button. And then eventually Homer hits the button and they go to heaven. Yeah. And and then Dennis Rodman. No, no, that's not it. That's the next one. Yeah. Um, and then they're in heaven and his garage is up there, which is a silly sight gig. It's fine. It's it's we're nearing the fine era of yeah. The Simpsons. Season 17, Tress of Horror, 16. Um, this one's called I've Grown a Costume on My Face. The wiki says it's a parody of The Masks, which is a real stretch. It's a real stretch. <laughs> what is this one about, Clark? Uh, this one is basically there's a witch who wins the costume contest for Springfield. Yeah. And then she casts the spells that everybody's – they become what their costume is. And that's about as far as it goes for The Masks reference. Yeah. <laughs> which – The best one I think is uh, – <laughs> what's his face? It's Disco one. Stew? No, not Disco Stew. It's uh, – Oh, my Nelson. Yeah. Oh, because Nelson is trying to be the Lone Ranger and he but gets he, turned into a raccoon. Because it's just gre- grease on his yeah. eyes because he couldn't afford a mask. Yeah. So he gets turned into a raccoon. I thought one of the most disturbing things was the Disco Stew one where he had like the Steve Martin like arrow oh, hat. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he's turned into his real costume, then it's like, oh, he actually has an arrow through his head. So he's like, ah, ah, like convulsing <laughs> on the ground. Which is, that's a really effed up image. Um, but then uh, <laughs> Chief Wiggum decides to, for his costume, be a certain person. Is this where you're going to for not aging yeah. well? Yeah. Who, Who does he choose? Uh, maybe Jared from Subway. <laughs> and he says, you know, the guy who's only a little overweight and sexually ambiguous. <laughs> Isn't that weird that they go for sexually ambiguous? Like yeah. making a Jared Fogle sexuality joke. Yeah. What a weird call. Anyways, this is obviously before the scandal. Yep. Um, and then they find out, oh, Maggie was a witch. She's a real witch now, so she 
turns them all into pacifiers and then that's the end and then dennis rodman comes out and it, it's kind of a dud of an ending <laughs> it's not great but the masks yes. is an episode where they go to new orleans and right. then the guy is giving away his inheritance on his deathbed but he makes these family members wear masks and then they all take off the masks at the end and it's like baked it's into the their stroke face. of midnight yes and it reveals who they really are on the inside yeah it's a great episode uh then this is very confusing i thought we should include it season 25 yeah Treehouse of Horror 24, of course, mm-hmm. it references that in the opening sequence, Rod Serling is actually in the show smoking a cigarette. I watched this so many times yeah. and it is like... Impossible to see. It's in there, but it is yeah. milliseconds. Yeah. It is like the intro that apparently Guillermo del Toro directed. So it's a lot of references to Pan's Labyrinth and all his favorite characters from Hellboy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Rod Serling bit is microscopic, barely even in there. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Cork. And that's it. There's a lot of other little things here and there. Yeah. For example, in season 23, Them Robot, uh, the robot who saves Homer's life by pushing him out of the path of an oncoming truck is like the self-sacrificing robot in I Sing the Body Electric. Uh I mean, that's like the level of references, but it's nice to know that, you know, it's a bunch of dorks on The Simpsons, and of course they're going to love Twilight Zone because it's undeniably one of the greatest shows of all time. Exactly. And it it was probably pretty cool in like the early 90s to like, call back to Twilight Zone because it wasn't until 2000s that that reboot happened. The movie was what, 83? So they also had the series in the 80s also. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, But I guess they're hardcore. They want to go back for the original ones, of course. Stuff like that. Uh, Did I tell you that I got to go to that table read for The Simpsons? Yeah, tell that story. It's fascinating. It comes because of uh, the True House of Horror stuff. So it was E3 2019 uh, Dan Reichert, friend of the show, uh, now WWE superstar Dan Reichert, um, he just said like, hey, I got invited to go to a table read because somebody that is working on The Simpsons on like the casting crew, I forget, uh, some casting department thingy, um, he was in the credits for a bunch of Trials of Horrors and he yeah. would write his name as, I forget what his name is, and I'm sorry, but he would use as his middle name Beast Cast, really? which is a reference to Giant Bomb's East like yeah. uh, Giant Bomb East podcast. Um, and so because of that, then a lot of people were like tweeting it at Dan and all those folks. And so then they got in contact. And so this guy just invited Dan and other Giant Bomb folks to come down to the Simpsons table read right. in LA. Cause it was like pretty early in the morning before you three opened up and thank God nobody else from Giant Bomb could make it. Alex Navarro had a hot Shinmu three appointment, which has stood the test of time. Well, <laughs> and so it was myself, actually Ben Pack uh, from Giant Bomb and then Dan Reichert. And we traveled over and went to a Simpsons table read, which was like just the honor of a lifetime. And on the drive over there, we're talking about like, I wonder if there's going to be a celebrity guest. Right. Wouldn't that be weird if there's a celebrity guest in this episode? And then we get there and I went to the bathroom, came back out and Dan was talking to the, the people that worked on the show. And Dan's like, hey, turns out there's a celebrity guest. Guess who it is? And like at that point, your mind is just the Mario Kart item wheel. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God, who am I going to meet today? This right. could be any celebrity under the sun. Like with The Simpsons, it literally could be anybody. It could be Sting. Yes. Oh God, <laughs> my fingers were crossed that it was Sting. Uh, and then it turns out it was Werner Herzog. That, that wouldn't, they could not have come up with a better poll. For it you. is the best, most random. Waking up that morning, the idea that I had no idea I was about to yeah. meet Werner Herzog is yeah. mind blowing. Yeah. Um, and so, you had the reaction as he did when he met Baby Yoda. <laughs> That's right. Winter Herzog is my Baby Yoda, yeah. But like, I love Grizzly Man. Like, yeah. Oh, that documentary is 
chilling to its core. Um, and so it was lovely. So we sat in there and it was maybe like 30 or 40 of us in this big conference room. And they said like, oh, just don't, um, don't get in the way. But they're like, oh, but please laugh. Like uh-huh. the reason we bring in guests for all these table reads is because like this is the last chance for the writers to get a sense of what works and what uh-huh. doesn't. And real quick, like what is a table read for people that don't know what a table read is? They have the script of The Simpsons right. and they get all the cast together and they read through all the lines just to make sure that it flows well. Yep. Final tweaks, stuff like that. Yeah. So it was just amazing to be sitting there as a huge Simpsons fan. That's like, oh, Dan Castellaneta yeah. uh, walks into the room and like the guy who worked on The Simpsons told us beforehand, like, hey, just so you know, Dan Castellaneta, like, he will be there milliseconds before the read starts and he is out the door one second after it stops. So, like, don't expect to talk to him at yeah. all, right? Uh, and it was stunning. I mean, after doing this for 30-some years, that is exactly what it is. It's like he just got in there, sat down, did the table read, and then got the hell out. But at the same time, like, he was the most fun. Like, he was the loosest. And, like, we all had versions of the script um, which, by the way, I got signed by Werner Herzog, and I have it upstairs. Like, really? It's the best. It's my most cherished You're possession. You're auctioning that off for extra life? And I have it upstairs. <laughs> um, so anyways, Dan Costanetta was going to script, and he was like the loosest. Like he was improvising a lot. There's a section in the episode, which I don't think that episode's even aired yet. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to look into it. Um, but it's an episode that involved Fortnite in a big way, oh. which was like, oh, it's perfect that we work on it or work in the industry. Um, and so, anyways, there's a section where Homer is singing Jungle Boogie. Yeah. And, like, Dan Castaneda, like, just kept stretching it out and, like, joking and adding new verses to, like, his weird Homer version of Jungle Boogie. And, like, the room was just slayed. And that was the crazy thing is, like, even though everybody knows later Simpsons, not the funniest, it's not as great as it was, like, in that room, I was like, this is the funniest episode I've ever heard about. <laughs> like, it was just annihilating. And I can't wait for the episode to come out so that I can send it to people and be like, watch this. Let me know if I'm insane. Yeah. Like, how much of it was just the energy in the room versus what was actually on the page Oh, there. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember it being hilarious. But uh, let's see. So a, a couple people, like Julie Kavner, Marge, she phoned in. Not uh, meaning she phoned it in, but like literally she was calling from somewhere oh. else. Also, Hank Azaria wasn't there. He okay. also called in. But the crazy thing is that like you're sitting in the room and it's like, oh, Nancy Cartwright, all these people, you you know them, you love them. Uh, you're Ridley Smith. Yeah. Oh, I love City Slickers. Um, and so it was awesome to see all them just shift into this character mode. But then the part that blows your mind is there's so many like ancillary people at the table. It's like, I don't know who that is. I've never, I don't know that face at all. And then they jump into it and it's like, oh, you're like the old woman in The Simpsons. Like there's so many like C to D tier characters that their voices are like baked into your soul. And hearing that come from these people is amazing. And there was a moment seamless where Hank Azaria, apparently his phone call dropped. And then one of those like additional voices guys noticed that. And without even communicating a word, just did all the rest of Hank Azaria's lines. Yeah. And I was like, what the, what is this transition? But like, no, they just know. If the call drops, I'll just pick it up. And it's like that weird shorthand after working together for so long. But then there's also a moment that was funny where Nancy Cartwright was going through the script. And then she's like, Data. She gets this guy named Data. She's like, I don't remember what Data sounds like. And he's like the nerdy kid. Like, he's oh, one of the super friends. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that was funny to hear her like, I'm stumped. I don't remember what this is. And then people are like trying to guide her like, oh, he's the nerdy kid guy. He's kind of like this. And she's like, oh, that's right. And yeah. like snapped right back into it. But 
yeah, it was amazing. Then afterwards, met Werner Herzog. On, and by the way, during the table read, he was the biggest ham. Like really? he was laughing uncontrollably and like stretching his scenes out and dialogue out and like basically slamming the table because he was laughing so hard about all this stuff. Like, So he's a fun guy. I don't know if I'd go that far, but he was very in love with the yeah. idea of being silly and yeah. making these voices and like everybody laughing along with him. But then afterwards, like when we met him and it's like, oh, it seems like you're really enjoying it there. And he goes, yeah, I don't know how you can't enjoy it with this writing. <laughs> and so like, he was like a little bit flat later on. It's not like he was secretly a big jokester or anything, yeah. but like I was just struck by how hammy he was during the read itself. But, yeah. Uh, it was incredible. And then I was like, all right, well, I didn't talk to any of those celebrities. I maybe should have, but it's like, what am I going to do? Like, I have Werner Herzog's autograph on a Simpsons script. Like, yeah. I should I should cap it off here. Yeah. I like your story. It's hey, very nice. Thanks, man. Uh, what have you been up to? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Just working, hanging out, watching Simpsons. Yeah? Yeah. Um, when Twilight Zone Season 2 picks up. Do we know on, what that is? I don't think so. Yeah? Yeah. Um, but they announced the cast. Have you seen this? No. Let's go through it here. Uh, but when that picks up, are you going to be excited to come record more episodes? Or is it going to be like, oh, Christ, can we talk about AFI again, please? I am very excited. Are you more excited about continuing this podcast in the future? Oh. Or some AFI content? Both. Oh, really? Yeah. You I, know what I found out? Yeah. That episode of the rebooted series, uh, Not All Men... Yeah, yeah. It was apparently written by Heather Ann Campbell, who's co-host of the podcast, How Did This Get Played? Oh, really? With Nick Weiger, which is a fantastic podcast. Oh, very interesting. So oh, that's cool. That was a good episode, yeah. from what I recall. Yeah. All right, so here we go. We have a Slash Filmcast uh, article. Oh, by the way, if you're confused with the AFI references, we should probably mention, because we American haven't had- Film Institute. That's right. We're big film heads here. <laughs> Uh, but no, we also have a podcast called A Fire Inside Out, which covers everything about the band AFI. It's yes. doing what to AFI what we did to Twilight Zone in Twilight Highlight Zone, which is defile it. Oh. Um, but hopefully we'll be bringing that back when AFI kicks into gear. Yeah, come on, guys. Give us some rock and roll. <laughs> More rock <laughs> yeah. and roll. Okay, here we go. So Jordan Peele, season two. The cast for the second season includes yep. everybody's favorite, Danielle Sunjata. Sure. I don't know. Uh, Billy Porter. Uh-huh. Jenna Elfman. Okay. Jillian Jacobs. Ah. Joel McHale. Uh-huh. And Daniel Sunjata. Ah. Uh, let's see. <laughs> There's also... Uh, I'm looking for remakes. Elfman stars in an episode called A Human Face. Uh-oh. With a script by Alex Rubens. Mm-hmm. Okay, we remember him from the first season. He wrote some good ones. Uh, Among the Downtrodden, an episode called Eight, Meet in the Middle. Uh, okay, well, this seems all right. You I know what? I'm more interested in what these actors are going to be doing. Well, I was hoping that there'd be like some <laughs> remakes or something like that in the batch here. Uh yeah, it's just a lot of the talent that wrote other stuff is will be coming back to very <laughs> to good season two. So you heard it here first. <laughs> as long as you didn't te- check out slash film on January twelfth, twenty twenty. Yeah, we'll be here to review all those new episodes with the same fire and tenacity that yes, we yes, yes. put on display right here. And in future Even episodes, 
we won't just uh, quote the funny things. We'll actually talk more about the structure of the story and performances. Oh, egghead stuff. Real egghead stuff. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for watching and listening, everybody. Again, if you're watching this, please subscribe to the audio version. If you're listening to this, you can subscribe to youtube.com slash show. We have the MinMax Show podcast. <gasps> Cork, you said it. Uh, Minimax Show podcast, which airs every Thursday, and a bunch of bonus stuff going on the YouTube channel and exclusive Patreon feed. If you want to support us, that's patreon.com slash minmax. Two ends. Yeah! All right, until next time, Twilight Highlight. Bye-bye.